What's going on, guys? Hey, welcome to the weekend. Why are you here on the Culture Jack podcast? Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we've got a ton of movie news, a little bit of speculation, and just an all around fun show. We're going to be talking about all kinds of things. But before I dive into the show, make sure and hit that follow button on your podcasting platform, whichever it is. We're available pretty much everywhere at Culture Jacked. Obviously, if you're listening to me, you're listening to one of those sites. And uh, if it's not your preferred, check out your preferred podcast uh, platform and uh, hit that subscribe button. So, movie news. Man, we, there, there's just so much out there right now that... It's difficult to, I guess, capture everything. So I'll do my best with just capturing some funny tidbits that I've collected over the last week. And uh, we'll we'll kick it off there. This is, uh, we'll, we'll kick it off with a little bit of Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell face off as Christmas musical Spirited begins filming. So this is a Apple Plus show and this article is brought to you by Movie Web. Ryan Reynolds shared an image from his first day filming with Will Ferrell on the new Apple Plus twist on A Christmas Carol. Filming has officially begun, and uh, it should be good. It's called Spirited, and it's a musical take on Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Like I said, it's going to be on Apple TV. You can check it out at uh, Vicinity Reynolds on Twitter is uh, his first image, and it's, of course, Ryan Reynolds face-to-face with Will Ferrell. Uh, it's always cool to see that kind of stuff simply because, uh, again, I think I've said this before, but when you get the, the inside scoop on something like that, you may forget about it. I forget about it often. Um, but when additional news comes out, it kind of, uh, starts that fire again. I'm like, oh yeah, Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds have something going on. And uh, it should be good, though. I'm a fan of both of those guys' work, Ryan Reynolds. uh, Actually, we've got a little bit more to talk about uh, uh, one of his films a little later in the episode. But Will Ferrell, what a a career that guy's had and what a comedy genius and everything that he's done, both in cinema with Funny and Die or Funny or Die and just everywhere else. I mean. The guy uh, stands above the rest. <laughs> he really does. And if you're into sports, him doing like uh, the the baseball, playing every game or 50 games in a row and in, in 50 days or whatever that thing was, that was pretty funny as well. So let's keep moving on down. Um, let's see. Zack Snyder recently, and this is brought to you by Total Film. Zack Snyder announces a new Netflix movie based on old Star Wars pitch. Zack Snyder's Netflix movie will launch a new franchise on the streamer. Zack Snyder has one hell of a year showing no signs of slowing down. And we know this. I mean, the, the Snyder, I mean, we we covered Justice League, the recut, and how big that was and is for HBO and, and the DCU. And then he drops Army of the Dead, which was also highly successful. He's talking about doing the North, North Mythology Norse mythology uh, uh, movie and and shows and whatnot. And now we're going into this. The description sounds a little, well, like, okay, so here it is. The basic bones of the plot, as per Hollywood Reporter, reveals an adventure tale set in space. The story is set in motion when a peaceful colony on the edge of the galaxy is threatened by the armies of the tyrannical regent named Balsarius. 
Desperate people dispatch a young woman with a mysterious past to seek out warriors from neighboring planets to help them make the stand. Well, it sounds like a Star Wars movie, question mark. Funnily enough, Rebel Moon, oh, started life as one, inspired by Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai in development at Lucasfilms way back in 2013. Snyder uh, revolved around a group of Jedi unconnected from the main Star Wars or Skywalker saga. And then it just uh, goes on and on to uh, further explain uh, essentially the ideology and the kind of the sources that have led him to this. So it's pretty exciting. I, I don't know. I think it's night. It, it, it's exciting because again, Zack Snyder's on fire right now. He's done really well. And uh, there's no release date on this it's called rubble moon. The project so far anyways, uh, is going to be exciting. It's going to be a big thing or should be, I should say. Um, but Snyder promises shooting is set to beginning in 2022, possibly uh, with his animated series, which I mentioned earlier, the Norse mythology one with uh, Twilight of Gods. So we'd probably guessing we're going to see Twilight of Gods, the animated series on Netflix, and then more than likely we'll see something start coming out about Rebel Moon. So this dude's what's what's interesting to me about what he's doing. I mean, he's he just killed it with revamping the justice league jumps over to a zombie, uh, the zombie movie kills it with that. And whether, whether you like it or not, the views speak otherwise. I mean, both were, were successful in their own right. And then we're going over to an animated series about North mythology. And then we're looking at a, uh, galaxy or, or science fiction. Um, it's just crazy. I mean, like, Jesus, dude, you're, you're just going to do every kind of movie ever and more than likely be fairly successful with it. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Anyways, regardless, I'm excited. And I'm also excited about this next one brought to you also by Total Film. Ozark season four release date, speculation, trailers, cast and plot. So Ozark season four is on its way, though. It's still we, we still don't know exactly uh, when the episodes will arrive, the fourth installment of the series is set to bring the slow burn crime drama to an end. After three seasons of twists and turns, naturally, COVID has caused some delays. But the good news is, is the series is currently in production. The holdup doesn't mean that there isn't plenty of information out there. If you guys haven't seen Ozark, it is an awesome freaking show. Uh it just is, especially if you're a fan of Jason Bateman. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Jason Bateman. I think the dude is extremely talented. And this was one of the shows that I felt like he got to run with his acting ability, along with the the, the uh, whole cast for that matter. But being familiar with Jason Bateman's work and, and uh, a fan, really, I mean, from being able to do like horrible bosses and hold on here. I drop my phone as soon as I said that um, and just so many different things it, just very versatile and Ozark is an incredible show looking forward to seeing that come out unfortunately this is the last season for it which sucks but maybe it'll open up Bateman to do other things as well and if you're not familiar Jason Bateman is one of the co-hosts on the Smartless podcast which we are on the same platform as them guys those guys the Smartless podcast is exclusively on Amazon Music, 
And we're, we're on Amazon Music, too. So if, if you want to listen to their podcast, maybe you already do. We're also there. So if you listen to the Amazon Music and you listen to podcasts there, check out Smartless and Culture Jacked. Like a, that, that, that was an easy way to tie it together, folks. Easy way. Let's keep going. <clears throat> All right. So th- this is a funny, this was a funny one. The, the article, I, you know, I don't know how relevant it necessarily is, but nonetheless, I wanted to throw this in here because of the kind of the question around Will Smith's dead shot not being in the James Gunn Suicide Squad. Now, the James Gunn Suicide Squad is coming here pretty quick. Mid-August, we're going to get this uh, movie, and I can't tell you how freaking excited I am for it. It looks incredible. In fact, you know, we may have to argue on this one. It may be. I feel like it has the potential in, in, in uh, of being one of the best superhero movies of 2021, but it is going to have some uh, some pretty stiff contenders with the Eternal Shang-Chi, Spider-Man, and uh, uh, Venom, whenever, whenever Venom drops. So we'll see. I feel like it's going to be one of the top contenders. For movies, anyways. Anyways, uh, the Suicide Squad is setting out to make film, blah, 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 the predecessor. Um, let's see. The original squad who came back with Will Smith as a dead shot doesn't seem like the consideration to have Smith reprise the Floyd Lawton role was taken very far. The Suicide Squad producer told members of the press of the films that certainly a discussion about bringing the actor back, according to Saffron Smith's dead shot, could have been a character who returned and took a leadership role in the new film directed by. It was certainly a discussion. Once upon a time, there was a Deadshot movie that was said to be in development at Warner Brothers. It has not come to fruition. It is unclear right now whether or not Will Smith will ever return. We discussed it. Saffron admitted a Smith's, a Smith's potential of the Suicide Squad. But I think that Will Smith of it really more of a schedule thing than anything else. We knew we had to start shooting in September because frankly, we knew possibly earlier than other people. Um, and then what James was going back to guardians. So it sounded like a schedule conflict as it continues to, uh, kind of go down, uh, the list here, the new suicide squad, uh, the new suicide squad, will have nothing tangible to connect it to the previous film, according to the producer. And you can see that. I mean, yes, they brought over some of the previous actors, such as Margaret Robbie. We've got uh, Captain Boomerang, the same guy reprising his role. We've got the lead character. I mean, so there's that part of it, but it doesn't mean, and I really don't believe that they're going to connect either one of these. It makes no sense to do that. I think they saw potential in the actors portraying the characters in the first Suicide Squad. Why not bring them back? And of course, as you know, bring in all of these new characters, all of these new actors and have a calamity of uh, just pandemonium with the actors, the characters, the story and everything else. And I am genuinely excited, even though Will Smith didn't make the cut on this one. um, You know, and I don't know if, if there is a place for him or really anybody in the suicide squad beyond the movie, with the exception of peacemaker in which we already know James Gunn shot a TV show that's already done. Um, and is being, I think edited now 
uh, for HBO Max via John Cena and himself and whatever supporting characters make it through the line. Now, that doesn't mean that it doesn't get revisited in the future. In fact, that's one of the daunting things, in my opinion, with DC at this moment, aside from the Batman movie, Suicide Squad, and some of the things that are in the works, such as the Green Lantern Corp. They don't have a lot. They're, as far as I'm concerned, they're not in the position like where Marvel recently uh, repositioned themselves with announcing all the phase four stuff, having such an incredible TV series run with WandaVision, uh, the Falcon Winter Soldier, and then Loki, and then Black Widow, and next is Shang-Chi, and next is Eternal. We don't have that momentum building right now with DC, which could really hurt HBO and again could ultimately hurt DC. However, all it takes is uh, for them, I'm sure that they've got a lot of smart people behind the scenes. They're working on different uh, series of shows that are coming and different movies that are potentially coming and what have you. In fact, we've got a little bit of news about that as well. All right. Uh, such as the next segment we have right here. So we'll talk about some rumor mill brought to you by We Got This Covered. Uh, Charlie Hunman reportedly in early talks to play the DC EU's Green Arrow. With a popular CW show having recently drawn to a close after eight seasons and 170 episodes, the prospect of seeing Green Arrow appear on the big screen as a part of the DCU is becoming increasingly likely and of course eight seasons if you make eight seasons with any fucking tv show you're doing pretty good 170 episodes highly successful like you you made it because you went well beyond the pilot season you went past its uh second year third year fourth year fifth to make eight seasons and that many you did some stuff right guys um so charlie hunman i think would could be a, a pretty good selection to tell you the truth i like charlie hunman he's done a great job uh, of course, you know Charlie from Sons of Anarchy, The Gentleman. Uh, you know him from uh, King Arthur, which those last two, The Gentleman and King Arthur, are both uh, Guy Ritchie films. Uh, you also know him. What else do you know him from? Um, damn it. The Giant Robot movie. That just skipped my mind. I, I can't remember the Kaiju movie. Anyways. That could be cool. It, it could be. And as I was just saying, these guys have to start running with this. They have to start. I hope there's a lot in production. And if there is, they, they've got to start doing that. Do the DC fandom stuff again. I mean, we know Aquaman's in the works. We know some of this, but we're not seeing a whole lot. Or maybe it's just me not seeing a whole lot on uh, what their next phase is to continue the momentum. And when your competition is fucking Marvel. That's tough because right now, if you were to take a step back and look at the two, the or not the two, look at your competition, right? We got Disney, the Mecca IP, because fuck, they got Star Wars, man. They've got Marvel. I mean, like that's that's fucked up in the in respects to the uh, superhero genre or the comic book uh, genre, but. You've got HBO with DC and whatever whatever other avenues they're trying to pull from. And then you've got all these independents. You've got, and we'll, we'll talk about it here in a minute as well because it's a continue, uh, another article. I mean, you've got uh, all of this stuff coming from independents, like Image Comics production stuff, uh, which like Sweet Tooth, 
on Netflix, like Invincible on Amazon, like Jupiter's Legacy, even though it ran one season, uh, the Millar world that's coming on Netflix and, and so much more. It, it's, it's pretty crazy to see and even to consider what else is, is out there that we're not aware of. There's a lot of stuff on the spec deck, which means that if uh, stuff starts getting greenlit and it will, the competition is, is going to be stiff for, for everybody. And, and granted, you know, Disney, in my opinion, in the niche world or not in the niche, in the superhero world, in the Marvel world and in the uh, science fiction, star Wars world. Yeah. They've got that unlocked, but these open, these uh, open books, they haven't really dove into such as like the sweet tooth stuff and such as some of the adult, oriented invincible uh and what have you they did modok on hulu which you know i I watched some of it i wasn't blown away by it by any stretch of the imagination but are they going to continue to perpetuate those things so they are competitive in those other areas the the mature rated uh superheroes and animated stuff and and what have you and to jump back over to malar world who's to say that we don't get a fucking kick-ass show super crook i mean the dude's got a ton of content so anyways, enough said there. I hope DC continues to uh, shake it up and bring some stuff. Would I be opposed to seeing like a Will Smith blood, uh, you know, character return? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I really don't. As an independent, maybe that's, maybe that's their plan with uh, the Peacemaker show or, or what have you. I'm not sure. All right. Moving on. Uh, on Looper. Kevin Feige confirms that we have been suspecting all along about Contisa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. So as you guys know, at this point, she has been the continuity between the Falcon Winter Soldier right now. And then we just saw her on Black Widow. I guarantee there, there we may see, we should, I hope we do. I hope we see bits and pieces of her being built through these other shows because I think it's genius. Uh, Let's see. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is full of smart folks. But until recently, Nick Fury, Sam Jackson, essentially held the distinction of being the smart guy who also possessed far more information than anyone else. It's a credit to Jackson that he pulls off the character without seeming entirely insufferable the falcon and winter soldier changed that however we're not just talking about the return of the oddly well-informed zemo daniel Bruhl from the second uh from the second contessa valentina allegra de fontaine julia lewis dreyfus waltz to recruit john walker aka y russell for mysterious purposes it's clear that her hard to walk in stilettos are filled by a character with far more knowledge than anyone else around her. She might even have more insight than Fury in all of the behind-the-scenes plotting that will complicate Phase 4 of the MCU. It's notable. Yeah, it's notable. The comic version of Contessa has deep connections to Fury as well. How might that play out? The Falcon Winter Soldier Season 1 is over and done. Thanks to the release of the Black Widow, after seeming the infinity, infinite weight, we're beginning to see the outlines of a pattern. 
Anyways, it goes on to to a little bit of speculation. Um, Feige, uh, Kevin Feige says that Contessa is building toward something. All right, <laughs> which you gotta know. Um, let's see. While Kevin Feige doesn't outright say Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine is Phase Four's answer to Nick Fury, or perhaps his evil counterpart, he firmly admits that big things are on the horizon. In an interview on D23 Inside Disney's podcast, he shared some interesting information about the franchise's plan for Contessa. She's doing something. Yes, she is, Feige shares. She seems to be in recruitment mode. Does Yelena already work for her? Question mark. They seem to have a connection at this point, yes. This is something that many have suspected, considering that you generally don't bring a star in like Julie Louis-Dreyfus caliber without having bigger plans for her. Feige also confirmed that the MCU very much knows what they have and that Louis Drew, uh, Louis Dreyfus likes what they're planning. And Julie Louis-Dreyfus, uh, if you guys haven't seen Veep, you, you have to fucking watch that. Not related to MCU, not related to any of this, but that woman is an incredible actress. And of course, Seinfeld before that, and she's had independent projects, but Veep is fucking awesome. Um, anyways, do you think, and, and I really do believe that we are getting something kind of special here with her, with her recruitment and what direction she's going. Clearly, we don't know. We don't know if she's going to have um, a position in some of these more recent. Is she going to have a small piece of the Shang-Chi movie? I don't know. I believe she probably will. Eternals, maybe, maybe not. Um, but I am truly excited to see what else comes with her character and what she is attempting to develop. Well, her, I say her, but Feige and the guys at Marvel are developing with her in mind. So that's exciting, exciting news. This next article I'm excited for. And this is one of like a dozen. I kept reading different articles, but they just keep freaking coming. And I'm stoked to report on it, guys. Kingpin reportedly returning in both MCU and Sony projects. And it's pretty freaking awesome. It, you know, some speculation. Charlie Cox, Daredevil, is virtually guaranteed to be making his MCU debut in Spider-Man. The actor has been linked to the web-slinging threequel for years. So there's there's a lot of guessing there. Additional, you know, possibly in the She-Hulk. Uh, but recently, there has been a ton of talks of Vincent D'Onofrio uh, coming in uh, or reprising his role as Kingpin in various ways to include a uh, possible appearance in Spider-Man, to include playing a role in Hawkeye as well. Um, so, and also some potential Sony projects. So I really hope that that, that comes to fruition. I mean, it's been specced on. I think I've talked about it. I believe Dustin's talked about it, um, but to see it, um, and, and to continue to get more and more and more and more news, there's got to be some truth to this to some freaking degree, or I'm a sucker for it and I just want it to be true. It could go either way. Uh, let me, I've got so many articles here. I'm skipping, skipping over a couple just because 
Um, this one I thought was interesting. So recently with all of the new, uh, I actually, I, I don't know if I would call it new, but with all of the recent hype around the return of blade and, and all of that, there of course has been a spotlight put on Wesley Snipes. Now, some of the stuff I read recently is not good. Uh, in fact, there was allegations and, uh, you'd be probably best suited to look this through. I think Patton Oswalt spoke about it quite a bit uh, with ties to the director. I'm not talking about that article today, but nonetheless, you'll find it about how much uh, of an asshole, I guess, Wesley Snipes was during the Blade trilogy movie, the third movie there, and how bad the working environment was for everybody and, and whatnot. So we're not talking about that, though. Um, what we are it was an interesting article that recently came out on we got this covered and that was Kate Beckinsale you know who she is uh the woman that carried the underworld franchise for years and that I, I loved the underworld movies especially I, I don't know how many they ended up with but I recall watching the first three maybe that's all they did I thought they were awesome now Kate Beckinsale keep that in mind because wanted Wesley Snipes blade in underworld See, that could have been freaking awesome, especially back, you know, in the early 2000s, mid 2000s when Blade was popping and um, Underworld was popping. So, you know, it's kind of crazy. So Snipes tenure as the Daywalker spanned three films and 415 million at the box office. Remind you, that was the early 2000s, early to mid 2000s. That's doing pretty damn good, a half a bill. Um, while Underworld, somehow managed to get five despite none of them being very good is what they're saying um yielding a global haul of 539 million uh beckinsdale was a good value as a ass kicking here in the piece but everything else about the dark and gloomy mythology was painfully bland and yeah i don't think i watched four and five uh maybe i did and i just didn't care enough but i do recall the first couple and i thought they were enjoyable for what they were nonetheless um, nonetheless, that could have been a really interesting crossover with them. It didn't happen. Um, but now there's all, again, there's all kinds of speculation, all kinds of shit coming out about Wesley Snipes, about Blade. There's, I, I read several articles hinting at possibly a cameo on, of the new Blade movie with this, with that and, and so forth and so on. So, um, We'll have to we'll have to see what comes of it as far as that goes. Uh, I I was gonna read this. I'll just mention it. There's I guess a feud between Vin Diesel and The Rock again via the Fast and the Furious stuff. Looks uh, looks kind of ridiculous. Uh, they continue to kind of fuck with each other, and and it's a it appears to be fairly serious. And uh, the reason I bring it up though, without going into I guess the Dis dislike for each other, that side of it. It appears as though Mr. Dwayne Rock Johnson has essentially stated that he will not be returning for any more Fast and the Furious movies. So that is what it is. If you are a Hobbs fan, sorry, you're gonna have to move on. You're gonna have to watch a different movie, folks. Different freaking movie. So the next one I am 
super stoked for. Uh, this was a comic book. I there, there there was a comic book behind this that I specced on almost a year ago, maybe six months ago, eight months ago. And uh, to get a little bit more news on this, and then there was a little bit more and a little bit more. Anyways, IGN reports, Michael B. Jordan will produce, potentially star in Black Superman limited series for HBO Max. Michael B. Jordan is now in the DC business. The actor and his production company, Outlier Society, are developing an HBO Max limited series focusing on Val Zod, a black Kryptonian that holds the mantle of Superman per collider. According to reports, the Outlier Society has already tapped a writer to pen the script for the series. Jordan is attached to produce and could potentially star, though the actor has not committed to the role. So, uh, Valzad was the second character to take the mantle of Superman in DC's New 52 era. After the parents were executed by the Kryptonian court, Val was sent to Earth 2 as an alternate universe of DC's prime Earth. Jordan and Outlier Society limited series is not the same as the Superman film reboot in the works with the writer. Um, anyways, this, this is exciting. The bad robot project has announced the intention to cast a black actor as Clark Kent Cal L in April. Jordan downplayed rumors that was being courted for the role. Warner brothers has reportedly considered Jordan for the role of Superman in the past, exploring the options. Anyways, it goes on and on, but there's some pretty consistent things going on with Michael B. Jordan and the boys at DC and the guys at HBO Max because this has been specced on. There's been discussions. We continue to see discussions around the Superman Kal-El stories, which again, I've got, I've got a, a nice little book that uh, that it ties directly to Um but even aside from that, this is exciting. This would be and could be something really cool to come to the uh, DCEU. And we also know that there's a lot of things tied to Michael B. Jordan, his production com company himself, with a static shock film for HBO Max as well. So, you know, that's two big projects for the actor, producer, and his production company. Something's going to come to fruition there, guys. I'm telling you right freaking now. Uh, we'll get something here in the new future, here in the near future. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on, and for some reason, I did not save the original article, and I spent a little time trying to find the other article and could not, for some reason, find it. And maybe I just need to go back over to the. Uh, uh, Instagram where I found it originally. Anyways, deadline.com reports. I pulled this. This is a little old at this. Well, no, I guess it's a couple days old. Netflix shares Sweet Tooth viewing data. So Sweet Tooth entered in a Netflix top 10 most watched English language originals list after the streamer shared viewing data for the comic DC or the DC comic series. This show, Sweet Tooth has or was watched by 60 million households since June 4th launch, putting it in the number six spot of most watched English language original series ahead of Emily in Paris, just below Queen's Gambit, which came in with 62 million, Bridgerton, 
It is the most watched English language movie original with 82 million. What a huge, what a, that's just fucking crazy. That's, that's an audience folks. 62 freaking million um, since June in this article was posted July 20th. So let's see since June 4th. So you're talking 36 days, something like that. 36 days, 37 days, 62 or 60 million views. That's so crazy. Jesus. That's, or actually that's more than that. I don't know why I said that. Was that 46 days? That's still, it's, it's, it's insane, man. So good on them though. Incredible series. We know that we've got a couple more seasons at minimum coming. So we shall see what happens there. All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. So Box office hits. I wanted to pull some box office numbers to see what's going on in the world today. Hollywood Reporter has these numbers just posted July 24th. Uh, let's let's uh, kind of see what we've got going on in this world. M. Night Shyamalan is scoring another number one win at the domestic box office with his thriller Old is slithering past. Fellow new offering, Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins to win the spoils of an overall quiet weekend. Old, about a family whose tropical vacation turns into an age-accelerating nightmare, took in $16.5 million from 3,555 locations. A psychological immersion thriller starring Gail Garcia Bernal and Vicky Kripes was inspired by the graphic novel Sandcastle. Um, Paramount and Hasbro Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins, starring Henry Golding, came in second with an estimated $13.4 million at 3,521 locations. The normal time Snake, Snake Eyes, which had hoped to relaunch an important franchise for Hasbro and Paramount, would have been expected to do far more business. It opened well behind the first two films, in the franchise based on Hasbro's military action, G.I. Joe Rise of the Cobra debuted domestically at $54 million in 20, uh, 2009, while G.I. Joe's uh, 2013, G.I. Joe Retaliation, started with $40 million. Snake Eyes' performance is no doubt a major disappointment for the filmmakers in the box office. Recovery continues at a slow pace. The movie costing reported $88 million to make before marketing skewed heavily uh skewed heavily male 60%. And while old marks the seventh time that M Light Shyamalan's has opened at number 1, it still is the lowest nationwide start for the director writer uh ever. So The Lady in the Water at 18 million old cost Shyamalan who puts together the financing for his own films relatively modest 18 million to make before marketing. The wild swings at the box office, as well as the relatively low opening for many movies in comparison to the past, reflect the movie going has yet to reach pre-pandemic levels in the recent days. The Delta variant has further complicated matters, which it has. The Delta variant, I've heard several rumors. I am talking to many different people about what steps their companies are looking to make what the impacts could be. And uh, it, it could once again disrupt uh, the, 
movie productions, movie creations, obviously society, the economy, and so forth and so on. I'm not, I'm not going into that. Uh, unfortunately, we're not seeing huge numbers at the theater. That's what I got for the bulk of movie news. I got a ton of stuff I'm going to talk about next week and the weeks to come. I did want to hit you guys with a couple of movies I recently watched uh, because I think they may be worth while. One, Wally Wonderland. If you guys didn't see this movie with Nikki Cage, you got to watch it. It is, in my opinion, this is, uh, if you're into these quirky, um, I want to say quirky, kind of funny, slapsticky um, horror movies, Wally Wonderland, obviously a, a knockoff of Five Nights at Freddy. Fun movie worth watching and uh is entertaining as goofy as hell um bloody violent everything of the kind but i still felt like this could have been and probably is nick cage's best movie in the last five years and he doesn't even say a whole lot <laughs> so that's, the funniest, that's the funniest part anyways check that out i think that's available you can buy it and rent it and i'm not sure if it's dedicated to any specific uh streamer um the other one is lansky uh if you guys haven't seen a commercial for this check it out it's lansky which essentially this is the story the life story of mayor lansky who was a higher up in the american mob uh did a lot of crazy things the main actor is harvey keitel and you should you should probably know this if you're interested in American history, uh, some of the stuff that he did with luckily Giano and a lot of other people pretty wild, a good story though, uh, worth watching. It was, it was pretty well done. It wasn't by any stretch of the imagine the best, uh, history movie or uh, mob movie, uh, or what have you. It wasn't a Scorsese film. However, it was still, it was still done very well and worth the time to watch. And some of it's just kind of crazy. Some of the deals that they did with the government and what have you, I ended up, I believe renting that on Apple plus. So if you're interested in, in something in that genre, completely different from uh, Wally Wonderland, Lansky, nothing like it. Now, if you're into a little bit of action, a little bit of comedy, um, some fun, not the best storyline, but still kind of fun, um, well-produced, mediocre CGI. I say mediocre because you just got to watch it. And that's the hitman's wife. The hitman's... Jesus, I'm going to fuck this up. Hitman's wife's bodyguard. That movie, I, I just watched that shoot last night. And if you saw the first one, Sam Jackson, Ryan Reynolds... um. You're going to, and Gary Oldman, you're going to like the second one. The second one, they reprised their roles, their characters. Uh, oh, Salma Hayek was in both as well. But the, the newest one, newest rendition, they get to reunite uh, because uh, of certain story points. But you got those three characters. You got Salma Hayek, Sam Jackson, Ryan Reynolds, and then you get Frank Grillo um, is in it. And you also get uh, Antonio Banderas is in it. And it's just a wild, fun ride. It's, again, action, comedy, uh, uh, all around good time. So if you're into that, that's out right now as well. I'll end it with this movie. 
Um, I saw the trailer for this many months ago. I watched this movie two weeks ago now and a fun time. I mean, it's the same thing to me as like Wally Wonderland. Don't take it too serious. There's some creepy points in it, but it's supposed to be my interpretation of like Wally Wonderland and the next movie I'm talking about, which is werewolves within. It's a fun movie to watch. It isn't to be taken super serious. It isn't to be taken like a award-winning thing. It's fun. It's quirky. There's goofy shit. Um, they're shot. Well, there's some decent acting enough to make you or allow you to watch the whole movie and, and whatnot. And werewolves within definitely does it. It was a fun movie. It was goofy, but intentionally goofy. There was some funny stuff in it. There's some crazy stuff in it. There's a little bit touch of the horror horror thing uh, in with the story. Um, but you guys got to check that out though. If you want something that's entertaining as all hell, watch werewolves within it's available everywhere. I think it's still, I think it's still rent. I don't think it's dedicated to any streamers yet as well. Most of these aren't because I think, and I could be wrong that any of these newer movies that are not streamer uh, produced um, or direct to stream, they're going to run that like 45 day window, 45 to 60 day window. And then I'm sure a stream will uh, pick up the IP for the year or two years or whatever it is. So anyways, that's a list guys. That was, I, I just went over a ton of different things uh, today and I've got a ton of stuff for next week and the weeks to come. So again, check out Wally Wonderland, Lansky, Hitman, his wife's bodyguard, werewolves within and thank you so much for checking out the Culture Jack podcast. This is the weekend wire dropping some movie news and TV news, of course, for you guys. Uh, we appreciate you stopping by. As always, hit the follow button. We've got a ton of content coming out. We've got video game news dropping on Thursdays, original content dropping on Fridays. But my my counterpart, my uh, partner in crime, Dustin, Saturdays sometimes we'll drop the OTE, which is on this episode where we're talking a specific movie or a specific TV show. Sunday's Weekend Wire. And of course, we start off the week every single week with Monday Madness, which is an original show that I put together for you guys as well. So that's it. Thank you guys. We'll catch up with you in the next episode.